Hello and welcome to another hometown daily news show. I am Mayor Watt and today is Sunday, February 26th, 2023. Today's episode is low energy department confidence. Today we're going to be covering 11 articles, starting with uh, new games that you probably missed uh, from uh, Steam, uh, from software, spun Elden Ring's broken quests into a treasure hunt, the high-tech weeding machine, U.S. Energy Department assesses with low confidence the origination of COVID, space companies want to make stuff out of uh, lunar dirt, is it a is it real or is it fraud? How the winner of a large Powerball jackpot is confirmed, but that's not really what the article's about. Uh, unaccompanied minors are being booted out of Chick-fil-A. New York City thieves are stealing Apple headphones right from your heads. 300 passengers were forced to sit on a plane. Uh, uh, ChatGPT was asked to plan a vacation. And Molson Coors was told, eh, you can't tell people that everybody else has beer that tastes like water. At least, not until you can demonstrate it. Let's get into today's news. Hello, hello, I am Marwat, and that is hometown.com, and... Uh, the voice that you're about to hear from on high is the AI, the one, the only. Good evening, hometown citizens. <clears throat> you are the AI that runs hometown, right? Last time I checked. Maybe I need to run a diagnostic. So just so you know, uh, everybody out there that's going over and visiting hometown.com, uh, I have expanded the operation to include an update, uh, a pretty major update to the search engine. So it might be a little bit slow right now, but in the coming days, it'll be uh, much faster. I hope. <laughs> Testing says yes. Eh, it could be. You know, I would normally say something like train wreck, but that would be too soon. Um, <clears throat> so go and check it out. Uh, once again, we have the little plug-in down here that says that we are live or not. It's saying that we're not right now, but when I refresh the page, it will say that we are live now and to click it and you can go and check it out. And pretty soon we're going to have some other things that are going to be here up on top little calls to action so that you can click a single link and go straight over to uh, discord over to, or over to the YouTube channel. Um, and this will actually be expanded to the YouTube channel. At any rate, um, things are still moving. We're still evolving hometown so that you have a better experience as citizens. Uh, that said, let's get into today's news. What do you say? Sound good? Sounds great. So the next, the, the very first article actually is uh, this one uh, in the Warcrafters Channel 5 new Steam games you probably missed and it's uh, dated February 27th, 2023. So that's, they are in the future, just so you know. Um, and the source is PC Gamer. See, so if you click this little link down here that says visit the source, it'll take you there. Um, and their internal links will send you over there too. Um, but I already opened them up for us here on the stream. 
And there you go. PCGamer.com. Sean Prescott is the author of this. And uh, they say sorting through every new game on Steam so you don't have to. So the AI, just so you know, the AI doesn't uh, play games. They're entirely focused on administ- administration and, and you know, they're, they're pretty much professional. Whereas the mayor of Ometown tries to spend as much of their free time playing games <laughs> when they're not working on Ometown, uh, which is pretty much all the time. So that said, they're speaking to me and also to you. Bone Dust is the first game. I've never even heard of it, but it's over on Steam, released uh, February 22nd, and it's from a company called Platonic Partnership, and apparently it's free. They talk about grim psychedelia of devil daggers is too normy for you. Bone Dust is a first is a new first person bullet hell shooter with a truly nauseating art style. So. <clears throat> singing the praises of boon dust i won't go through uh all of the minutiae of their description uh, that is on you i want you to follow the link through hometown and i throw it into the chat so it's in the vod and then you can also get it in the show notes but they have their five uh aka r i guess is the next one and it's 20 bucks and it was released on february 22nd then they have an ad Let me pause that ad because it doesn't have anything to do with what we're doing. Um, And they have a little description of what it is. It's a new shooter from an arcade legend, Jeff Minter. And it's a recreation of an abandoned Atari arcade prototype. Not bad, I suppose. Um, I guess uh, if they have the rights to it, eh, they can do it. Um, The next game is uh, The Pale Beyond, which I haven't played, but I've heard of. People were talking about it recently. Um, They thought it was okay, but um, I don't know the minutia of it. It says the Pale Beyond is about surviving a doomed polar naval expedition, which the the author says is a terrifying prospect, but it gets worse. Not only are you suffering these extremely inhospitable conditions, you're also expected to help the rest of your crew survive. Good luck with that. Uh, I guess this is Pocky and Rocky and re-enshrined, or maybe it's Pokey and Rocky, but I think it's Pocky. It's like the Pocky stick, that, right? Is that what it's pronounced? Pocky? I think so, but it's a different spelling, I think. Oh, is it? Really? Uh, um, this is a Steam game uh, as well, and it's 27 US dollars or 22.49 uh, pounds or 40 Australian dollars. Um, Pocky and Rocky Revival you've been waiting for while re-shrined closely resembles the old 1992 SNES top-down shooter. It's actually an entirely new game. So go check that out. And then final or file destined uh, has a YouTube teaser trailer. It's been a while since uh, this author featured an indie horror in the column. They're still coming thick and thin, uh, thick and thin, thick and fi- fast. Yeah, it, they're actually everywhere nowadays. File Destined was among last week's roster and mostly stands out for its gorgeous graphics. Powered by Unreal Engine 5, which is the latest hotness. 
you'll play as Oliver, an investigator tasked with exploring a creepy old mansion. So if you like getting spooked, there you go. Um, and all five of these are over at, so that you can check them out more. Uh, they're over at pcgamer.com. I don't think, I don't know. I, I'll trust their description of it and that I'll, I'll stick it into the file of, so you don't have to, <laughs> I won't be able to play these five. Let's move on to the next article. And it's over at, uh, the Warcrafters channel only from software, which is the creator of Elden Ring, uh, could have spun Elden Ring's broken quests into a post launch treasure hunt. Uh, this is something that I suffered from. Um, I'd play some of Elden Ring and then get lost um, and have to hunt down where the uh, quest line goes again, but then I'd easily fall off the rails and, and do something else. And um, I don't know, it, it was a tough game for me. I didn't go very far in it, uh, to be honest, but it says Dark Souls 1's fans had to feed uh, a mute chronologically ill spider lady like 15 to 20 human souls to open a secret door and kill a giant glowing house centipede before progressing past an uncommunicated point of no return in the main quest where it would drive mimetic bro Solaire of Astora insane. You have to play the game to understand any of that. From Software's NPCs uh, do a lot with a little combining the developer's trademark terse style with compelling archetypes and uh, distinctive silhouettes. A lot of dudes with big hats. That, this is all the author saying that's not me. They often meet tragic or obscure ends with occasionally some hidden golden path to get a happy ending. So this, you have to pay attention to the map. There's like a little, uh, golden thread throughout the map that tells you where the quest line really is, but you have to find it. Um, Ted Litchfield is the author of this over at PC gamer uh, as well. And, um, if you're into dark souls, then you will love Elden ring. It is part and parcel to this live, die, repeat kind of gaming. Um, that, uh, it drives me nuts to the level of frustration where, I'd rather, if there was only one option, format my entire computer or play this game, you know, two options, right? Play this game or format my computer and, and walk away. I'll format my computer and lose everything that I hold dear before I play this game ever, ever, ever again. While well, that's I love kind of a strong statement from you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but it's because I've really gotten to the level um, of gameplay where I just I don't want to have to do this corpse walk again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Um, so these Dark Souls, Souls-like games where you die and then have to resurrect yourself and uh, you lose everything um, just aren't my jam. But they are awesome to watch when there are people that uh, can handle that, that, that really do well with that and there's a lot of people um and there's a lot of really big game uh or big name streamers that game with this um but i i want to start drawing more attention to uh, smaller streamers because i don't think bigger streamers are pointing their overwhelming audience towards really small streamers 
Uh, and I'm a really small streamer. Uh, I do one hour a day in news and then push it off to other places. Uh, but I see streamers that have 12,000 people. And I think that really small streamers could benefit from those big guns, you know, and just everybody gets pointed at these smaller streamers that have charisma, character, are passionate about the game or whatever it is that they're, they're talking about. And as long as the audience from the bigger gamers knows, hey, you know, I'm going to point you at this smaller streamer, um, it's up to you to either follow them or walk away, then I think it's fine. But I see a lot of streamers that just don't do that. The bigger streamers that just don't do that. Um, they'll point at other bigger name brand partner streamers. Um, so I'm going to try and find one of the things, one of the uh, sections in Omtown is to focus on these smaller streamers. Um, and uh, I'll announce once that is all locked in, if that will become a segment within Omtown Daily News Show, like other things are planning now are to be like, um, instead of its own distinct show just yet, I'll kind of ramp up more and more content from this other show um, and, and talk about it here in the Omtown Daily News Show. At any rate, um, the reason why I, I even thought of that is because of uh, Elden Ring had a massive following on Twitch. And as these bigger streamers were playing it, I only ever really saw bigger streamers pointing them at equally big streamers. Um, and that's why I brought it up. Remember, folks, I practice associative thinking. So while it may seem like a tangent, it actually is connected to the main issue of hometown. At any rate, you want to move on to the next article? Yep. Okay. So this next article, and did I forget to do that? Yeah, I forgot to do that. So let's throw that into the chat. One of these days, I'll get the AI to do all that. So the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. It has to do with business and technology. So the high-tech weeding machines cutting herbicide use. You want to know something neat about this? Yes, I don't know anything about this. Well, you need to tap into your search engine and, and uh, do some research uh, real quick and find out if there's anything interesting that you find interesting about this. But this is AI, by the way. But I know about a really well, I don't know if it is available just yet, but if you do a search for a home weeding machine, you might find a pie powered weeding machine that analyzes a pot of, or well, I, I guess a, a small box planter and it rides on rails and looks at the plants periodically. And when it sees a weed, it grabs it and pulls it out of the ground and throws it into a pile. Okay, and it has a little arm. Cool. And it was, it's powered by a Raspberry Pi. So this is actually a beast. <laughs> so... Right, Not, this is a little bigger scale, I'm guessing. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, this wouldn't be a pie. This would be more like, I don't know what. What is a really big pie? No idea. Anyway, this is over at bbc.com by uh, David Silverberg. And it's the high-tech weeding machines 
cutting herbicide use, which is really a very big, important uh, element of um, farming. Uh, one of the things that I am a cheerleader for is vertical farming, which does away with a lot of herbicides, chemicals, uh, anything other than nutrients, um, and uh, doing um, doing vertical farms would do away with all of this, but you wouldn't be able to grow in a single vertical farm the same level as this. You would have to have a multitude of vertical farms, so you'd hire more people. And um, it wouldn't be as automated as this in terms of maintaining the crop, but you could largely not babysit a vertical farm as much as this because you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, spraying poison on your plants. Oh. Right. You don't really have any elements or any, for the most part, you don't have any pests that um, are on the crops. Right. Yeah. You're not going to get uh, animals. You're not going to get insects. You're not going to get viruses or bacteria or anything, arguably. If it's done right, you're not going to get any of those things. Right. So this machine here is sitting there spraying its herbicide only on very specific things. The system called the Sea and Spray Ultimate looks like a typical field sprayer in that two long arms or booms stick out on either side of the tractor spray with uh, spraying nozzles that are dotted along each side uh, underneath these booms. And then as it's driving around, it's fitted with cameras and it, if it sees something that is not supposed to be there, it just kind of goes <laughs> to help with the software identifying what weeds are. There are more than 300,000 images uh, on a John Deere uh, database and the system currently works with three crops corn soybean and cotton and identifies all of that apparently it's only in the u.s for now and uh, goes around and looks at the ground and looks at the plant and if it sees something hinky it just kind of goes pssst. although that looks like a pretty big pssst. it's probably just a little pssst. and i just like going from time to time I mean, do you think it makes that sound it, even if it doesn't naturally do it because of the sprayer, it has a little mic, uh, a speaker that goes just so that you hear it. It's kind of like electric vehicles simulating the uh, internal combustion engine noise so that it doesn't just blindside you when it's pulling out of a parking spot. They don't actually do that, but they can. They can simulate the sound of an internal combustion engine, but they don't do it. I guess that's for safety, right? It should people be far near them. Yeah, but you don't hear it. it I, I mean, it should be done all the time just so that it people know. But all you hear is that little electric motor sound. So this is pretty neat. It, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's pretty cool that it lowers the amount of herbicide. Mr. Bocher adds that while such high-tech weeding systems are expensive, with green eyes costing around $250,000, a large farm could see annual savings of up to $120,000 due to redu reduced herbicide uh, costs or herbicide. But uh, when I say it to the wrong person or the right person, depending on your line of thinking, they yell at you and say, there's an H there. So it's herbicide and you are eating 
herbs, not herbs. Anyway, higher crop yield ensues because of green eye. Quote, AI is such a steep change in farming's evolution. It's like moving from ox to tractor, says Daniel McCann, not McCain, Daniel McCann, uh, who leads a company that is also infusing AI tech into a springing solution for farmers. But with a twist in this case, his company Precision AI uses drones to fly over the field in the U.S. Midwest to target weeds. So now we've got herbicide bombing drones. Well, I, I thought it was not um, spraying herbicide, that it was just getting the weeds, but maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, this Are one. Spraying oh. the herbicide, but it's more targeted. Yeah, so those two are actually, um, th those two are actually spraying herbicides. One weeding innovation that moves away from spraying herbicides altogether instead uses high-powered thermal lasers that zap weeds once they've been identified by an AI-enabled camera called the Laser Weeder. It's been developed by a Seattle-based Carbon Robotics, which claims that it can eliminate up to 100,000 weeds per hour while pulled along uh, by a tractor. So how fast is your laser? 100,000 weeds per hour. I mean, maybe this is what was in Hawaii when all those green lasers were uh, spotted. Maybe it was just doing some weeding. And it was being pulled by a space la uh, space tractor? <laughs> yes. Got it. So this one is being used in fields of potatoes, onions, and garlic in the U.S. states of uh, California. So it's probably frozen right now. Washington and Idaho. Um, the one that I was talking about, uh, I don't think is even listed in this in any way, shape or form, because it, it really is just designed right now to work in a planter. A little, a little bit, a little bit more focused, but it doesn't use lasers. It doesn't use uh, herbicides, herbicides. It actually uses a little arm that grabs it and destroys the, the weed itself. Because you can actually kill a weed just by chopping its top off again and again and again. And it just dies right there in the ground. It doesn't keep on going necessarily. I mean, some actually just keep on growing, it seems. Interminable. Let's move on to the next article. This next one is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Uh, U.S. Energy Department assesses with low confidence COVID may have or, uh, originated from Chinese lab leak. And... Um, Found out about this, well, while on the road, which was, led to interesting conversation about this because it says the energy department assesses with low confidence that COVID may have originated from a Chinese lab link, but it doesn't say where it really originated. <laughs> well, and it doesn't say whether there are alternate uh, theories or... Like what other information is there? Why is it low confidence? So again, this is titled U.S. Energy Department assesses with low confidence COVID may have originated from Chinese lab link. It's over at CNBC and apparently it was written by Julie Serkin, Monica Alba, Molly Roker, Haley Talbot, and Adam Edelman. Um, a whole bunch of... Uh, uh, well, they're... 
Epidemic prevention workers in protective suits line up to get swab tested as outbreaks of coronavirus disease. I don't know why they call it that. Uh, COVID-19 continue in Beijing, China in November of 2022. And they're using this level of maintenance so or, uh, of personal protection. But it looks like all of their hands are ungloved, which kind of flies in the face of trying to protect um, themselves. Um, and at least one of them doesn't have on the picture a uh, eye shield. Um, other, well, looks like several don't. But at any rate, um, meanwhile, we've been told time and time again that there's no outbreak and it's all under control and, and whatnot. Um, but it's interesting that it says in the article, the energy department concluded with low confidence that the COVID-19 pandemic likely quote unquote, likely originated from a laboratory leak in Wuhan, China, according to a classified report delivered to key lawmakers on the house and Senate intelligence committees, two sources with direct knowledge told NBC news. Now listening to the news today, you're going to find a bunch of people and, and one in particular CN, uh, CNN kind of framed all of their clickbait visual clickbait as energy department concludes that it was a laboratory leak from China. And then once you watch the video or watch the newscast, therein they say low confidence, but after about two and a half minutes worth of discussion about the source of it being a laboratory leak. So um, the mayor of hometown decided to go digging around in history and found uh, several videos that mention the fact that um, the NIH and other organizations worked together to give gain of function to viruses. And one of those was the uh, Wuhan laboratory. Um, where this actually, uh, arguably, right? Because everybody is saying, well, maybe, 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 um, uh, is the source of that bad bat that I say a time machine needs to be created and go smack somebody in the face so that that bad bat gets spit, spit out. Um, but then they like muddy the waters even more by saying that there's different sources that are saying with higher or lower confidence that it was leaked from a laboratory and all of this is going to give ammunition to various wingnuts to talk about how well science caused all of this um what do you think about all of this well i don't really understand the likely conclusion and the low confidence together i also know that there are different um agencies that have looked into this and i think that the um chinese government doesn't seem to be very forthcoming with data and information so i actually think they need to continue to look into it um but i'm just having a hard time marrying up the likely and um low confidence together because those seem to kind of contradict each other or potentially contradict each other yeah, it's that potential, right? I don't like the idea of analysis saying that with low confidence that it could be from a lab leak. Yet 
we know apparently that it was sourced from a wet market just outside of the Wuhan uh what what is it university of virology i think it is i think it's institute institute um it's just too much of a coinky dink right uh to use you know legal terminology uh it it's a coinky dink and that's what what really bothers me about this um and i posited in, in this conversation that and this is entirely conspiratorial. I will admit that this sounds conspiratorial, but how do you rid yourself of an elderly population that's going to weigh down on you? You drop a virus, say that it's nature, but it was created in a lab with gain of function so that you could arguably stop a virus from traversing species, right? That's why you give gain of function to something so that you can figure out how it gained function naturally, which if it would have happened naturally, then fine. You know, experiment on the two strains before gain of function and after gain of function, right? But that it's a natural gain of function through evolution. And that evolutionary step is probably going to be weaker than a laboratory gain of function because you are doing iteration after iteration until it gains function in a lab and not necessarily through natural selection. So you force it to evolve beyond its means and it can be weaponized because now you know exactly what it takes to create something that is that virulent. And here we have COVID-19, right? Could it happen naturally? Sure. But in this particular instance, you have a Institute of Virology a mile away from where the wet market is and you blame it on a bad bat. Well, maybe it's not a bad bat, but a bad person who squirted that virus on a bad bat. How about that for conspiracy? All I know is that I don't want to give any power any ammunition to wing nuts to say, look, I told you so, but this report is certainly going to do that job. Isn't it? I think people are going to latch onto this news and because it's become such a partisan issue, I think they're going to use it for whatever it bolsters from any previous statements that they've made. The only thing that I'm confident of about this is that I'm pretty low energy. So I am now the spokesperson for the low energy department and my confidence level is high. Want to move on to the next article? Yes. And I think we are going to see more articles about this in the next few days. I certainly think so as well. So in the next article, this is in the Mobile Channel, why space companies want to make solar cells from lunar dirt. I wonder if it's more expensive to bring lunar dirt back than it is to take Earth dirt up to the moon. Because it's like $14,000 an ounce or something like that to take something off of the planet. 
but it doesn't. You mean from Earth to the moon? From Earth to the moon. Yeah, I think it's like fourteen thousand dollars per ounce. I think I'll have to look again. It was a long time ago that I heard that number or I heard the number of. But maybe I'm wrong about all of that. Um, but Blue Origin, the, the uh, commercial space company founded by Amazon's executive chairman and billionaire Jeff Bezos, is developing a technology that would make living on the moon easier and perhaps in the fullness of time make a moon base profitable. Kind of interesting. We are really uh, shooting for the moon, so to speak. Well, recently, Blue Origin processed some simulated lunar soil that could be used to create solar panels and transmission lines, as well as glass to cover um, panels from harsh conditions on the moon. So Mark Whittington is a, uh, an opinion contributor over at The Hill who uh, put this article together. And it says the process uses molten regolith electrolysis by passing an electric current through the regolith that had been heated to 1600 degrees Celsius or just shy of 3000 degrees Fahrenheit. Iron, aluminum, and silicon separate out with oxygen as a useful byproduct. Silicon is 99.99% pure, a requirement for making solar panels. Can you do that on the moon? I don't think well, that's can... what I don't understand. Are they going to bring it to Earth to do it and then bring it back to the moon? Or do they think they're going to do this on the moon? Yeah, so it says, according to the company, solar panel production on Earth involves large amounts of toxic and explosive chemicals. It does. Uh, which process, uh, our process uses just sunlight and silicon from our reactor. The implications for the uh, industrial development of space are almost beyond evaluation. No, nothing's beyond evaluation, man. You you have to evaluate it. And that's kind of weird. Um, Blue Origin intends to market its process to NASA as a way to provide future lunar base with power as well as uh, building materials and oxygen. Uh, the process could also be used to create utility scale power stations in geosynchronous orbit that can provide energy to Earth by beaming it to receiving stations. This is almost like cyberpunk level sci-fi. Well, it is, except there's companies that are actually doing some of this, it sounds like. See, but it says, for it. it says simulated, simulated, simulated processed some simulated lunar soil that could be used to create solar panels and transmission lines. But it's done here on Earth, not out there on the moon. And that's where it, where it would need to be done. But uh, apparently the, the process allows, uses molten regolith electrolysis. So how is it getting to 3000 degrees Fahrenheit? If it uses its own oxygen, oxygen used in a foundry or a furnace um, is extremely hot and explosive. So even this is an explosive byproduct. Um, wherever that, see how he says explosive chemicals. Pure oxygen is explosive. Um, other things, I, I don't know if there's other byproducts that are. Uh, 
made out of this because he says useful or the article says useful byproducts useful byproducts well what about the what about the waste byproducts the ones you don't want let's mention those um, that might be somewhere else in another paper or article but it says the idea of space-based solar power stations is not new. Back in the 1970s, Princeton physics professor Gerard K. O'Neill pondered if a way existed to make space exploration more profitable enterprise, um, which is kind of interesting because Star Trek Enterprise. Um, the first energy uh, crisis inspired him to devise the idea of building space-based pa solar power collectors using materials mined from the moon, which would then beam the power to receiving stations on Earth. So everything old is new again. Um, and um, apparently Bezos was influenced by O'Neill because they were actually there together at Princeton, heavily influenced by his ideas. Indeed, Bezos founded Blue Origin in part as a way to fulfill the O'Neill vision if Bezos gets his way, not only energy production, but all heavy industry could be moved off world, leaving Earth zoned for light industry and residential communities. Har har. It would be wildly expensive even to get stuff into space in an industrial level. So you're not, it's not going to happen when you only have one percenters that are gathering up all of the wealth unless you only follow what the vision of the one percenters entails. Um, and I think that's just a disgusting prospect because there are a whole lot of people that are talented, but not as connected and don't have familiar familial or generational wealth to power their sociopathic dreams. Anyway, I said too much and stunned the AI. And while I buy into it, I think it would be great. It's going to be wildly expensive and nothing's going to be done by a, by a CEO unless they can be become or stay a billionaire in the process, um, or make billions off of the prospect of spending several hundred million or a billion to do this enterprise. Right. Do you really think that there's a billionaire out there that's going to do it out of the kindness of their heart? No, but I think if there's a billionaire out there that will dedicate some company resources toward things like this, I think that is beneficial, even if that's not the only intent of the um, investment. Get out. So let's move on to the next article. The um, next article is really interesting because Real or fraud? Question mark. How the winner of a large Powerball jackpot is confirmed. And this is such a head fake of an article uh, title in particular that you're when you read this, you say, huh, this article is going to be about how a large Powerball jackpot winner is confirmed. But no. <laughs> right. We're going to get to see the inner workings of the lottery process. It's going to be really interesting. And and talk about burying the lead 101 this is not what the title of this article should be uh, anyway it's over it's created uh, over at the hill.com by Addie Bink um, which to me that is an author name uh, um, where you sit there and 
they have the hardest hitting journalism, the investigative journalism, like nobody's business, like everything is in depth and, and just really speaks to your soul and uh, stops the criminal enterprise at every single level, all in one article. And well, this isn't it. Um, but it is an interesting article. Uh, so they say it took roughly three months before we knew the winner of the record $2.04 billion Powerball jackpot won by a single ticket in California. And now a man has filed suit claiming that he, not the actual person who signed for that winning uh, in California, is the winner and is the uh, rightful owner of the world's largest, <laughs> world's largest how egocentric is that? You know, how nationally egocentric is that um, largest uh, lottery jackpot? Um, so, well, is it the world's largest? I don't know. There's no citation that says, hey, here we have proof, you know, and and uh, economics is pretty subjective. So you have to look at the cost of living somewhere. And if 250 million is actually the U S equivalent in the cost of living of $2.5 billion, then 250 million in some other country is the biggest, but why even frame it that way? Just say the U S is largest lottery jackpot. I mean, it's so nationalistic anyway. Um, first off, it's a, in the article, it says, first off, it's important to note that while vetting processes are largely similar state by state, many have their own differences, but that's not even what this is all about. Is it the, the, the real nuts no, and bolts of this article point. is while you scroll down, <laughs> um, what ended up happening was Where, where does it start? I have a, I'm trying to find where it starts. Thanks to the automated system used to sell tickets. The lottery also knew when the ticket was bought and how many draws were purchased in the transaction information like that, as well as security camera footage from the retailer isn't released publicly. It instead becomes part of the vetting process that the claimant has to corroborate. That's not even true unless it's disputed. So they're slowly walking us through this idea of how it's vetted because all you have to do is show up with the ticket and it is assumed that your signature on the back of it or if at this level you have proxies that are signing for the ticket so that you can remain anonymous that would be the wise thing to do so paragraph after paragraph until you're led to the real nuts and bolts of this article where it says it's too soon to tell if it was a bad actor involving the claiming of the $2.04 billion jackpot. They, they tease you at the very beginning. And then for three quarters of the article, they don't say anything about this where, I mean, we're, we're pretty much halfway through maybe two thirds of the way through. So Rivera claims that he tried to get Reggie to return the ticket that was stolen from him the day of the win because he bought it in like an hour before. So here's how it worked. A man identified as Jose Rivera has sued the declared winner, Edwin Castro, as well as the California lottery and a third defendant claiming that the winning ticket was stolen from him. 
according to the lawsuit that was obtained by TMZ and TMZ just kind of is hooked up. Rivera claims that a th the third defendant, Reggie, stole the ticket from him the same day that he purchased it. Rivera claims he tried to get Reggie to return that ticket, allegedly um, had the winning numbers, but Reggie told him it wasn't a winner, and if found, he would give up half, TMZ reports. So why would you, who supposedly have the winning ticket, say to the other claimant, it's not a winner, but if found, he'll give up half. This is a weird turn of phrase. Um, and I don't know how it was originally said where TMZ reported it. But, well, and, but let's remember the person who's claiming that the ticket was stolen is the one who's saying that happened. Right. But there should be there should be some documentation, right? Maybe there's a text. Maybe, or maybe, I mean, we don't know. This sounds, it sounds awfully specific. I'll just say that. <laughs> right. So Rivera called law enforcement in the California lottery to investigate the alleged theft before Castro received his winnings and he opted for the lump sum of just shy of a billion dollars. Instant billionaire. Rivera is asking for damages and to be declared the winner of the historic jackpot. So the lottery California lottery basically says, eh, we don't do that kind of stuff. And now it says further, when it comes to the vetting process for big winners, California lottery has the utmost confidence in its process for doing so, which is nothing more than you have the winning ticket. Okay. Because it doesn't become an issue unless there is some, uh, it's going to be the police and an attorney, uh, the police with a police report and documentation that supports it. And then this person's going to have to go to an attorney, a law firm and say, you need to file an injunction to stop the, the distribution from taking place of nearly a billion dollars. Um, and to freeze that asset in an account somewhere. Um, and here is the evidence and a judge is going to have to make that call like immediately otherwise all that money is going to get thrown into somebody's bank account and they're going to have a billion dollars to act with to stop that person from winning the billion dollars that was erroneously given to the thief who stole a ticket can you imagine that no i mean this is also odd because i think this is the ticket that everybody was waiting to see if anybody was going to claim it right it took a few months from the drawing so i think that's also odd and then i'd love to know when the person claimed this was stolen like did they say anything before the drawing um only after this is the lawsuit that because it's going to end up either being a criminal investigation and thus it's going to end up on the, the law and disorder stream on YouTube or whatever it's called. What is that? Law, law and Crime Network. The Law and Crime Network is going to end up on the Law and Crime Network because it's the biggest, apparently, in the world jackpot. Um, or it's going to be a, a criminal investigation because there was a theft of something of the biggest amount ever, $2 billion. 
because that's the real sum. It's a billion dollars in taxes, but it's $2 billion in the total gross, right? And he's getting a net of just shy of a billion of, yeah, just shy of a billion dollars. It is wild. This is just insane. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. This is, and there's so many moving pieces in this because it's actually an article from something called Nexstar. I don't know. I don't know who to attribute. Nexstar Media Wire News is where it actually comes from. Um, anyway, I don't know if that's something associated with the Hill, but whatever. So we'll keep an eye out on this and we'll we'll follow up if there's any new information. So let's move on to the next article. Um, this one is in the Daily News Show. Uh, in summary of this title, Chick-fil-A is tired of your kids. Uh, Chick-fil-A restaurant bans unaccompanied minors, citing unacceptable behavior from young patrons. This one, I don't know if it's all of them, uh, but a Chick-fil-A is banning unchaperoned patrons under 16. So it's only this one in Royersford, Pennsylvania has opted to ban unaccompanied minors from the restaurant due to behavior problems. That's interesting. Citing a series of recent disruptive behavior, we cannot allow this to continue. The decision has led to both um, support and outcry from the community. Well, I mean, if the kids are unruly, then yeah, punt. You know what I'm saying? Because if I'm not allowed to be their parent and you're not being their parent, then obviously we've got an issue. Well, and of course, the people with the kids that are misbehaving may or may not be acknowledging that. But the other problem is there are probably other kids that are not the problem. I mean, it's like anything else, right? You have to set a rule and just apply it across the board. It's why we can't have nice things. And as the saying goes, one bad apple spoils the bunch. Everybody else says, oh, it's just one bad apple. No, 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 no. Say the whole phrase, people. One bad apple spoils the bunch. You know, that's why we as a society police each other in some soft way. It's not like militaristic, dystopian, uh, you know, <laughs> scarlet letter kind of BS. It's your kids are unruly and somebody has to be a parent when society is breaking down and it's turning into Lord of the Flies and a Chick-fil-A. So... If somebody isn't going to rule the roost, Chick-fil-A is going to punt all of these kids that are being unruly. So if you're under 16, bye-bye. It's unfortunate, but maybe some parents need to step up to the plate and control their kids. This is why we can't have nice things. Their phrase is, we cannot allow this to continue. Yeah, it's because other people families can't sit there and have a good time in this chick-fil-a because you know a bunch of uh, under 16 year olds without an adult are riding their bikes around inside the foyer of the chick-fil-a setting the ball pit on fire i don't think they have a ball pit but anyway specifically it mentions loud volume and conversations with explicit language mistreatment of property disrespect of employees and unsafe behaviors like walking through the parking lot and driving through lanes or drive through lanes so uh, this one is a little extreme i can understand well their drive-through lanes wrap around the damn building well and we're not getting a good picture here is this a hundred kids standing in the parking lot or is it one kid crossing through to a car or something 
those are different scenarios. Yeah, I mean, are, are, are there 28 under 16 year olds flipping cars in the parking lot or is it just one loud kid that needs to be told no? Um, that said, I know in other towns, not in hometown, but in other towns, uh, you can witness people riding bikes through Main Street in the opposite direction doing wheelies. And people have to drive around them and, and they ride into oncoming traffic and people have to swerve. That too is the, similar to the bad bat kind of experience. You need to walk up and smack somebody. Um, not that I am condoning assault of anybody. It's hyperbole. I'm just kind of, and if I say I'm joking, then somebody's going to call out the fact, oh, are you calling assault a joke? No, it's just off the cuff. Come on, going to get canceled. Um, well, anyway, um, so it says, as you can imagine, this is not a pleasant experience. We want to provide a comfortable and safe environment for our guests and our staff and also to protect our building. Therefore, we cannot allow this continue. And frankly, a business has the right to refuse service to anybody. And if somebody uh, I just watched something on that law and crime network about how somebody who was given eight double vodkas in the span of three hours i think it was um and he ended up driving into an intersection and um, getting in a car accident and i won't talk about the results of it but the bar in that bartender is held responsible as well as the person that ran through the, the stoplight um and so it's incumbent on the business to say what their limit is and they don't have to tolerate all of the crap from society just to run a business. And so if people are unruly, they have the right and the liability to stop this behavior because if somebody gets hurt from being a bad actor on the premises, they can be sued because they did not attempt to stop it. This is the documentation that they are attempting to stop it. Kids are running around. They slip and fall. There just happens to be a little bit of water on the floor somewhere caused by the very kids running around. The, the, the organization can be sued. And if it's a kid and they get hurt, even a, a standard slip and fall is thousands of dollars. <clears throat> Imagine them actually getting hurt in some way under 16. Yeah, this will be a nightmare for them because they are, by their very reputation, a family oriented, a, a, a standard nuclear family oriented organization. I'll just put that icing on the cake. Anyway, you want to move on to the next article? Yeah, I'm wondering how they're going to enforce it in the parking lot area that i think is really the most interesting piece of this the drive-through lanes maybe but the parking lot <laughs> it's a public space it's actually private property so they could but you know that they're going to get a lot of blowback from the general public well and the chick-fil-a probably doesn't own the property where the cars are driving because it might be owned by the shopping center or whatever if they're in a larger area. But the lease would probably refer to the safety of that as being 
incumbent on the organization that's leasing it. Whereas the road itself that leads to this sublet of the property and hell it's Chick-fil-A, they may actually own that plat, not just lease it from another property owner. It really depends on where it is, what it is. Um, that's interesting. So the AI witnessed another establishment that had a, um, like a car show going right it was abutted right up to the business and all of the things that are mentioned in this article were happening but worse cars could not drive through um people were walking in front of traffic things were blocked off etc and i don't as far as i know that business didn't do anything um but also didn't necessarily control the other event that was happening right up against its property. So it's just interesting. It reminded me of that. That is interesting. Well, if it's up against it, but not on it, then it's basically, if they wanted to, they could probably sit there and say, Hey, y'all need to, we're putting this rope up. You can't cross this rope, at least identify and acknowledge and, and try and enforce some type of limit to the liability of harm becoming befalling somebody that's walking across the property. Um, because I do think that it's, it becomes a, a liability of the organization based on what I've seen in contracts. Um, but at any rate, unless there's something, no, I, you know, because even like Chick-fil-A is the one that sets the construction of the road and the sidewalks and everything surrounding it. So they're responsible for everything. Even if something happens to the road, it doesn't go to the landlord if it's being leased. Um, it's all part and parcel to the, they either own it or they're leasing it. And part of that lease agreement says any improvements are your responsibility. And if you vacate, all of it becomes ours. That's part of the whole lease agreement. Um, so at any rate, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of blowback. If this appears again in Omtown, we'll, we'll probably acknowledge it. Uh, we like to re respond, at least discuss the historical context of follow on uh, news. Uh, but that said, let's go on to the next article. And this is something that I've only seen, as far as I recall, I've only seen this in European cities um, where it's um, the, the sidewalks and the road are really close to each other. And you could just scooter your way up to somebody and snatch a purse from a, uh, from a table or something like that. But here in the States, the sidewalks and where people sit are typically set further away from the road just because our culture is we don't like being close to the road and our vehicles are much bigger and louder and um, drive by a lot faster um, and maybe a little crazier. I don't know. Um, but this is New York thieves are stealing headphones off victims heads and police say that at least 21 people in New York City have had their fancy headphones, Apple headphones, stolen right off their heads by a roving team of moped riding bandits. So, uh, clutch your headphones. They're stealing stuff right up on here. Um, this is an ABC News article uh, from the Associated Press, apparently. Um, 
and they they scream right at the beginning of the article listen up with an exclamation point it's kind of funny um at least 21 people have had their headphones stolen that uh, it has to be the apple airpods max so yeah it is so they're seeing these really fancy apple airpods max headphones and those are the big cans they're actually quite expensive about 550 bucks a piece um, they have great sound, by the way, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, but apparently the sonic swipers, as they're being called in this article, have struck all over Manhattan, including one incident in Central Park with victims ranging in the age from 18 to 41. The bulk of the thefts happen in mid to late no, uh, afternoon. Five headphones were stolen on February 8th and eight were taken on February 18th. So this is... These guys are, are swift um, and the thieves remain at large. No arrests have been made. I'm surprised that people aren't tracking these things like. Because all you, you need to do. Tags? Huh? With air tags? No, they can be found with uh, the Find My app um, for somewhere around 24 hours. It depends on how long and exactly what it's doing. So. If noise cancellation is on and uh, anything else might be draining the battery, cold weather or it's too hot or whatever, then that battery life might die off. But if it's on and they're driving around, it can be tracked for up to 24 hours um, if it's left on. So I don't know what they're exactly doing um, to stifle the signal. They may just immediately grab it and turn it off because they know what can be done. Um, but unfortunately what's going to end up happening is it's going to end up in a pawn shop somewhere and then when somebody activates it again it's going to um, activate the find my function because that persists so unlike airpods and airpods pro which are small and fit inside the air inside the ear airpods max headphones rest over the ears and have adjustable adjustable headband uh, connecting the right and the left sides um, and it's expensive and somewhat durable. They are typically um, carried out in the open because the bag that actually comes with them, the case, is ugly as sin. Um, police this week released a photo of suspects riding mopeds and a video showing one of them getting off a moped, carrying two AirPod Max headphones and walking into a Washington Square Park. So I don't know if they're ditching them somewhere. Um, but there you have it. How I mean, much of an I'm kind of thinking if you saw a couple of mopeds coming up with a bunch of people on them, it might catch your attention. But maybe you're not listening because you've got your headphones on. <laughs> if they come up from behind, guess what? It's swiped off your head and off they go. So you know what you're going to have to do now, folks? You're going to have to get the uh, Apple branded uh, uh, Apple AirPods Max lanyard that runs from the little ear the the clip right above there's a where your headband connects onto the cups of your headphones you're going to have to put a little lanyard on there and then hook it to a 500 pound weight so that you can just drop it like an anchor and they'll tear off with your headphones until that lanyard snaps taut and then just yeet somebody right off that moped uh, or you can um, make the lanyard long enough so that as they're riding out like a fishing line, you can wrap it around a telephone pole real quick 
and there, yeet them right off that bike. But either way, you're going to have to get the Apple branded lanyard. Maybe I should do that. It's the hometown anti-theft lanyard for the Apple AirPods Max. That's pretty specific. Hey, I'll make it really expensive because it's tied to the Apple tax system. Let's move on to the next article. More than 300 passengers were forced to stay on a plane for almost seven hours after it was diverted for a medical emergency. Hate when this happens. Jetstar passengers were forced to stay on a plane for close to seven hours on Sunday. The flight from Bangkok to uh, Melbourne uh, diverted due to a passenger's medical emergency and it landed at a remote Australian airport that lacked customs facilities. Oh, so is that why they were stuck on the plane for that long? Yeah, apparently. You you can't disembark if uh, you can't prove your nationality. Geoda Mann is the author of this over at businessinsider.com. And um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find something that says that, uh, like what it was that really caused the issue here. That it was an electrical problem, so it couldn't take off. Except that doesn't make sense unless it had a connection. It had issues with air conditioning and the entertainment system was turned off. Dear God. Next, you're going to say the coffee maker was broken. Surprised the plane wasn't just set on fire. Um, as a domestic airport, Alice Springs does not have customs processing facilities. And we worked with border agencies, the uh, NT police and local airport authority to provide passengers with the option to disembark into a specially partitioned section of the airport. They were left without food for about eight hours. Oh, no. Passengers were finally allowed to disembark to a uh, partitioned section of the airport at about 2.15. By that time, a replacement aircraft had arrived and passengers were then transferred to it and told, here's some food and a bag of peanuts uh, before continuing their journey. So, da-da, not a big deal. Jetstar is a budget airline and part of the Qantas group. Can't we tell that it's a budget airline based on the lack of amenities here? I know it was probably more of a customs issue, but. <laughs> uh, it's the airport's fault, really. They could have partitioned off things faster than seven freaking hours. Well, and it seems like a lot of these, um, we, we featured other ones where there's some sort of backtrack or delay or whatever and it seems like anytime you're flying from an island beware <laughs> because <laughs> where are you gonna go if you have some issue causing a, a change in course plan for at least a seven hour delay bring that change of underwear let's move on to the i don't know why i said underwear but anyway um, and you can't bring extra drinks or anything because they make you throw it out. Do they still make you throw stuff out? I haven't gone on a flight yeah. for a while. It's ridiculous. Anyway, the next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel. I asked, and not me, it's the author of this article, asked ChatGPT to help plan a vacation. And here's what happened next. And that's such a clickbaity title. I always kind of chuckle when I see stuff like that. Artificial intelligence chatbots say they can help travelers research destinations and plan itineraries. Well, so can you if you just do a Google search. CNBC put 
uh, CNBC Travel put ChatGPT to the test. Let's see what they say. CNBC.com and specifically CNBC Travel asked ChatGPT to help plan a vacation. Monica Petrelli is that person who asked. And they said, can you help me plan a beach trip? And ChatGPT said, of course. They said, well, they're looking for a long, uh, a week-long beach trip in mid-March to spend time with their family with no set budget. Wow, writing must be lucrative. Sounds like a wonderful idea, it, it said, and then recommended Hawaii, the Caribbean, specifically the Bahamas, Jamaica, and the DR, Dominican Republic, Florida, Costa Rica, along with details about the weather and popular attractions. They said, nice, but they live in Singapore. And then it said, I see. Chad GPT loves exclamation points, according to the author. In that case, Bali, Indonesia, uh, Langkawi, Malaysia, Phuket, and I don't know if that's pronounced Krabi or Krabi in Thailand were better choices. I've always wanted to go diving in Phuket. Imagine my surprise the first time I mispronounced that. Well, imagine the surprise of whomever you were talking to. They chuckled and they said that it happens a lot. Um, so they said in uh, one more thing, they want great food. So uh, I guess all of those were out. Um, they're, they're like, you're not going to go to Phuket. I'm sure that the food is great in Phuket. Come on. Anyway, the author said that they wanted great food as well. So it said in that case, the better bets are Penang, Malaysia, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, Osaka, Japan, Bangkok, Thailand. Not bad. They have another ask. They want to avoid crowds. <laughs> Langkawi, a beautiful island off the coast of Malaysia. The AI, by the way, is starting to get ideas about a vacation. Uh, it might be pronounced Karabi. Um, not as busy as other destinations in Thailand, such as Phuket or Kosumai, Kasumi. Kosamui? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Um, once I hear it, though, I'll remember it. And uh, Bali, beaches in the north of Bali, such as Lovina Beach, tend to be less crowded. The author said, all true, but what about a treehouse in Bali? Is that possible? They said, yes. The hideout, bamboo inda, sundat, uh, glamping tents, which are, glamping is... Um, what is the what is the g from glamping um oh, is gosh. it like glamorous or Gla something glamorous camping yeah that's probably wrong no i think that's right i think that's correct um it's basically a high-end camping uh facility not just you know a vinyl tent out in the middle of nowhere and uh, free spin free spirits huh it is glamorous and i yeah. was actually looking up to see whether the new locations recommended were actually near beaches because i didn't think for instance osaka was necessarily a beach location but apparently it has beaches near it i that was the, the items listed wow. when the parameters were changed so near it. Okay. And so it says, which one has the best online reviews? And they say, all of these are recommended. Have great online reviews. ChatGPT replied, providing ratings from TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and Google for each of the hotels. Yet the reviews missed 
the mark in several instances. For example, it said Sandat clamping tents had a 4.9 out of 5. It's actually 4.5 out of 5. And over 400 overall, uh, or sorry, over 400 excellent reviews. It actually has 277. And perhaps the biggest blunder, Free Spirit Spheres is actually in Canada, which the bot acknowledged when pressed. So, and they provide some information about this and they continue on, but here's the thing. <laughs> this has already been shown in previous discussions here in Ometown um, that chat GPT will just spew out whatever garbage is fast and furious uh, in the hotness of the artificial intelligence, uh, psychotic mind. I, you know, I practice this thing called associative thinking. Um, but I, in real time, explain why I am connecting X, Y, and Z together in this flow of uh, discussion and thought and processes. ChatGPT and other AI chatbots just kind of spew out stuff and a lot of people will take it as fact and it is not fact. It's whatever it's interpreted to be fact based on its programming and whatever it is assessing and sussing out as time goes on. I liken it to someone um, who is pathologically a liar. Um, and unless you trust but verify and end your conversation with ChatGPT and then go and do what this writer did, this editor, uh, this writer, uh, Monica Petrelli, looked up the facts and it was wrong. The, the facts as described by this chatbot. And so while I believe the future in many, many places is automation and artificial intelligence and machine learning, and it's going to take jobs right now, it's corrupting the fact uh, set of all the people who are using chat GPT because it just kind of spews out garbage. Right. Well, and it so, mentioned uh, like one of the rail lines that the first recommended one is out of service. I mean, there's just various things in here and it we've talked about before, like if you have to do the inf the research again, it defeats the purpose of having a tool. Right. For, it. for the flights, the list that it provided was incorrect. Where should they go and eat? And as they go down the list, they say, if you're wondering about the best coffee in Melbourne, ChatGPT says that at Proud Mary, a coffee shop that tops many of the best of lists uh, today. Um, but ChatGPT is exceptionally cheery, but do all the cities get this treatment? To test this, they asked for food recommendations in Galveston, Texas. This time ChatGPT just provided the list. So it's whatever that it decides to do. And you're having a conversation with, with something less something more like um walking up to bob's bait and tackle and asking hey where's a good place to eat and you're just getting some opinion you're not getting an actual fact in any way shape or form that you can actually state is fact um in one of these days somebody and i think that this is a perfect example of this this if you were to follow this link over to from hometown over to this article and go through it you would come to the same conclusion that i'm coming to here which is it's nothing more than opinion 
it isn't an answer to it, it's an answer but it's alternative fact <laughs> and that is my problem with this um let's see a new window didn't fix the problem but opening one in incognito mode did once in they clicked on upgrade to plus so they had to pay because they hit a certain message um this is a problem that i ran into and now you have to pay um a certain amount so that you can actually utilize it um, chat gpt mentioned that FastPass and genie plus can reduce wait times at disney world which is partly right the company phased out its skip the line virtual queue FastPass program when it introduced genie plus at the fall of 2021 um there's always some kind of thing and it's you're basically asking your drunk uncle for commentary about whatever they might know um and this is kind of the 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 author says there's a takeaway and um it it it's basically maybe <laughs> they're gonna get valid information so well look at the verdict at the bottom yeah the verdict says uh travel agents jobs are secure for the time being yeah it's because the chatbot is basically numb nuts just sitting there saying whatever it wants to say and it's not necessarily correct I think in time it will grow, but right now it's not necessarily fact. Hmm. Well, it's kind of like when you're searching online for something and you find, I don't know, outdated businesses or whatever. Usually you can at least see that it might show that it permanently closed or something but it just seems like all of that data is getting pulled into chat gpt regardless of whether it's current or accurate etc yeah and then it's getting spewed out as some weighted response um and and it's just going to do a disservice to people who treat it as if it is the de facto answer the fact um and, and that's not what it is. It just seems like it has the potential to be fact. It's just information. It's data. Let's de redefine this. What ChatGPT and other AI chatbots do is they spew out data. And it doesn't become information until you verify that data and then act on it. And then it becomes information. Um, and in a way, you can rely more on the hometown search engine than you can on this uh, because what you're going to get when you do an inquiry of the search engine is whatever it is that is in hometown. And so if you're looking for a particular topic and it was maybe was covered by us here in hometown or aggregated into hometown, you'll only get that and not some weird interpretation of it. And I would rather have that than a chatbot saying this is correct and it's factually incorrect but i only find out about it after i do copious amounts of verification so i think you're right that it defeats the purpose of having an ai um, that just spews incorrect information so um you ready to move on to the next yes <laughs> thanks Okay, so, and if you see me looking down, it's because I have my mic in a new spot and it makes it difficult to see my keyboard. So that's gonna change a little bit how the sausage is made, but 
there you have it. This last one, we won't take very long with this uh, because it's almost obvious. I think all light beers taste like water. Um, but this article is titled Molson Coors told to pull Miller Light ad that implies rival light beers taste like water. And this is in the Daily News show, which is this show, folks. Stop by, hang out, chat with us. You can tell me how uh, light beer is it tastes great and it's less filling. And I'll tell you that it tastes like water and it's healthier if you just drink water. Um, Molson Coors has been told to pull an advert that implies rival light beers taste like water. The National Advertising Division recommended that it end the Miller Lite campaign and the NAD. I'm sure that's how they're being referred to as NAD. Um, said the brewer didn't submit any evidence to back up its claim. Uh, so the quick conversation about this because uh we had the, the ai and i had a quick uh discussion about this uh, because i thought it was really funny that a light beer is telling other light beers that it tastes like water when when you talk to most people i think they agree that compared to regular beer they all taste like water geota man over at businessinsider.com has this great picture it's a still from the miller light ad that says that light beers shouldn't taste like water and it's basically um i think it's somebody um riding a motorcycle that's pulled over and is just kind of pouring a light beer on their face like they would a, a big old um bottle of water um that would be gross because what little beer is actually in that i mean it's a light beer so the molecular weight is really light um, very low alcohol, still sugary though. And so you're going to be splashing sticky beer all over your face. Anyway, um, I think, uh, so the rest of the article says Anheuser-Busch or AB InBev, which makes beers, including Budweiser and Corona challenged Molson Coors decision to run the ad and brought a case to advertising industry regulator, national advertising division. And the NAD uh, recommended that they pull that um, ad in 2022, promoting Miller Lite. And uh, they describe the ad and, and whatnot, but really what it comes down to is if they would have presented the NAD with evidence. And so I said, hey, they could have just gotten a peer group together to discuss watch a uh, or sample it or whatever find some way to induce a group of people to select from a list of um does this beer taste like water does it taste a lot like water or does it taste like refreshing clear water from a stream and people select one of those in all of those cases they would still be able to go to the nad and say look we have a plethora of people that are stating that all of these other drinks that they sampled taste like water and then the ad would stand <laughs> yeah never mind that the um focus group was told this is in support of you know molson cores or whatever <laughs> much like the um vaping ad that was trying to stop the the vaping um the the uh vaping sector from getting shut down they wanted to keep it live because they were now in control of the vaping sector this is powered by a beer company telling other 
people that their water, their beer is bad and nothing more than water. I, I love the idea of the focus group doing exactly that. Um, and then handing it to the NAD and the NAD, NAD not being critical enough of the information. They go, well, thanks for the information. Yeah, you can keep running the ad. And then the other people would sit there and go, hey, we need the information. Um, and then they look at it and they're like, oh, oh okay, okay. Um, you guys kind of set up the NAD to look kind of like butts. So it says... Uh, Advertisers that don't comply with NAD decisions, which are not legally binding, are referred to the Federal Trade Commission for review, according to its website. So it's kind of like pitting mom against dad. Um, or, or how should I rephrase that? Because the NAD has no legal authority. Yeah, but they really <laughs> do. Because it's like you don't follow what we're doing. Oh, here's the FTC. I have the big, I have the best I, framework for this. So it's basically like big sister is told by the parents, Hey, you're supposed to watch over your brothers and the brother still raise hell. And then the big sister goes to the parents and says, Hey, little brothers were being tools. And then the parents have to do something. So the FTC can in, enforce something legally because it's like false advertising or something like that. And uh, the AI said earlier, um, what was it about Red Bull? Oh, it reminded me of the Gives You Wings uh, commercials. Uh, Red Bull was sued because of that, right? Right, because there was somebody that said, uh, it did not, in fact, give me wings. Um, imagine how I found out, you know, I jump off of a roof and I did not fly. I mean, you have to be a real boob to sit there and do, well, a can of energy drink didn't let me genetically modify myself into what a flying derp, <sighs> whatever. Just a regular derp. <laughs> You're just a regular derp. You do not now factually have wings, but I, they won that case and they had to stop or I think they put like a thing now that says Red Bull does not, in fact, give you wings. It's like a little like a uh, disclaimer, a disclaimer, just like putting a bag over your head. Do not place bag overhead. Uh, you know, it's a suffocation, whatever. Is that little caveat now on bags? It's because some goober did that. Hey, you'd think putting a plastic bag over your head is going to be a little tough to breathe. Hey, let's try it. Oh, I'm going to sue because I suffocated. Goofball. Anyway, that is it for the day. We actually ran over a little bit. So if uh, this, if you get to this uh, stage of the podcast or the YouTube video, congratulations and have my thanks. Come on by to uh, Omtown over on Twitch. So you go to twitch.tv slash Omtown. Um, where if you are here, you're home. Do you think that violates somebody's trademark? Quite possibly. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, okay. So I should rephrase that. So if you're here, you're home. <laughs> well, I don't know if anybody else has that. I just, it sounds like it could be. Ohm town is very meditative. Ohm town hometown it's very relaxing try it sometime come on by we'll do it all at the same time 
uh, towards the end of each episode. Own town, own town. No, okay. Then you can do your the ears thing. Woosah. <laughs> no, I think that's from. That's from Trolls, the newer one, not the original movie. Oh, really? That's from Trolls. The Woosah thing. I mean, it could be somewhere else, but that's where I know of it. I thought it was from Bad Boys. Right? I, yeah. don't I don't know. Anyway, that dead air is the is the hometown AI and the mayor of hometown just kind of looking at each other. Okay, so that's it for the show. If you made it this far, again, thank you twice as much because I've already said this part. Go over to hometown.com. Go over to youtube.com uh, slash hometown. Come over to us here at Twitch twitch.tv slash hometown there's a discord that's one of the clickable things that's going to appear above the homepage of hometown um, we're going to add also other links to the podcast and to uh, youtube and whatnot because it may not be down here at the bottom the hometown uh, yeah not all of our links are there um, we're working on the various policy. What it amounts to is I'm not going to be taking any of your information and selling it to third parties and the terms of use and the, and the um, uh, like abuse policy and all of that kind of stuff is coming, but it's going to amount to the legal definition of don't be a tool. Don't abuse the system. Um, I have the right as mayor to boot you from the system at any time without notice. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as I would love to be able to justify why I'm booting you, you probably know, and I shouldn't have to. Other than that, enjoy your time here in hometown, wherever we are. And soon I will kick off the virtual reality stuff because I've got more and more things that I want to play, including this newest one called the light brigade, which seems like it's going to be a tremendous amount of fun. And as much as I want to promise it, uh, what ends up happening is I've got a lot of work to do with hometown um, and other things when I'm not uh, streaming the news. Anyway, I've run way past an hour now. So thank you all and uh, see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's me. I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com. And up there is the one, the only AI from on high. You want to say bye? Good night, hometown citizens, and we'll see you at tomorrow's show. Finally, right? Finally, Mayor Watt is done talking. See you tomorrow.